Show starts in 10 minutes. They had names like the Cinnabuff, the Bronco, the Maple Leaf, the Sunset. They were the drive-in movie theaters of Minnesota. Once there were more than 80 outdoor movie theaters in the Gopher State. Today, only a handful remain. One of them is the Skyview in Tiny Warren. It's near the Minnesota-North Dakota border, just north of Grand Forks. As the sun sets, Leonard Novak is huddled in a tiny booth, taking money from customers. It's not much either. Admission at the Skyview is just six bucks a head. Hello. How are you? Well, we're doing okay. We got the clear skies out there, and it's twelve, right? Twelve dollars. Worst of cheap and scary. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we kind of we got a few cars here anyway, you know, and it's not uh, uh, it's not a disaster anyway. Sneaking out to the drive-in, why not take the kiddies along and save the expense of a sitter? Everyone enjoys the drive-in. Leonard Novak and I'm manager of the Marsh County Co-op Oil in Warren, Minnesota. That's my major job, and uh, that's a six-day-a-week job. And then I got the drive-in theater, and I've had that for 38 years. Uh, my name is Steve Novak. I work for Crooks and Motors in Crookson, Minnesota. I'm a service consultant, and I work for the Skyview Drive-In in Warren, Minnesota. Take a short trip back in time and head to the Skyview Drive-In Theater. The only drive-in within 200 miles of the valley. The Skyview has a rich history dating back to 1953 and located just a stone's throw from Grand Forks. One mile west of Warren, Minnesota. Movies start at dusk. And the Skyview's open every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This weekend, see Little Fockers. For more information and movie schedules, simply log on to skyviewmovies.com or find us on Facebook for great family entertainment. We'll see you at the drive-in. Years ago, when, when I was younger, going to the drive-in, it was more or less a teenage hangout where teenagers came out there, you know, and you'd pick up beer cans and beer bottles, and it was like the party area. And now what's happening is we're, we're not seeing much teenagers out there. We're seeing more families coming together, showing their kids what they used to do when they were younger. He didn't say off to you, so it doesn't... No, no, You'll see kids coming out there. They'll be throwing football, baseball, frisbees. Uh, families be rock, walking their dogs out at the drive-in. I mean, it's just very, very family-oriented. I mean, they'll come out with their lawn chairs, and they'll watch the, the movie outside. They come with their pickups with uh, uh, couches in the back of their pickups. I mean, I would say in the last two years, if we've picked up six beer bottles or beer cans, that's even stretching it. The drive-in is unique enough where we're getting enough people from away. People come up here, they go to the drive-in, they'll go out to the camp. We got a beautiful campground in town, beautiful swimming pool, and people just come here with the family and they'll, they'll stay overnight after the movie and, and uh, take the kids swimming, and then during the summer we have the fair. We get families from everywhere. I mean, we're talking Canada, we're talking Badette, we're talking Minneapolis. They come from all over just to see the drive-in. No, that's not big enough. No, that's not big enough either. That's more like it. We're delighted to have you with us, and we extend a cordial welcome to you. We've lined up the top stars from Hollywood and from all over the world to entertain you on our giant screen with the new colorful motion pictures you've been hearing about and reading about. 
to add to your enjoyment, we're all wound up to bowl you over at intermission time with live wire service at our snack bar, where you'll find a tempting variety of favorite foods and beverages. Your continued patronage is very, very welcome. America's first drive-in opened in Camden, New Jersey in 1933. A man named Richard Hollingshead came up with the idea. He even won a patent for his creation. Hollingshead's original idea included plans for an outdoor movie screen, ticket booth, elevated stallways for cars, and a funnel-shaped guard for the film projector. The purpose of the guard? To stop insects from clogging up the film. After the second drive-in opened in Los Angeles in 1934, a critic from Collier's Magazine fell in love with the concept. He wrote, Out on Pico Boulevard, we located drive-in service as it neared its peak. We drove in through a toll gate. A girl seated in a booth took money for tickets, and we entered the drive-in theater. An usher, bearing the badge of his office, a flashlight, jumped on the running board and guided the car to a space marked out with white chalk lines. We leaned back and watched the picture show on the open-air screen. The sky view in Warren is nowhere near as fancy. After paying Leonard, you drive across gravel and find a spot. One of the Skyview's best customers is a man who comes here pretty much every weekend. My name is Ed Golden, and I'm from Warren. Back in high school days, we'd come out here. That was the thing to do. They um, had movies every week, or all, all through the week. There'd be triple features, double features, uh, carload nights. It was a fun time. You pay so much money and as many people get in the car. This is before seatbelt laws. You know, you load up. People come out in the grain truck, load up as many kids as they could get in there. And then it'd just be a gathering spot. You know, Shorty used to chase them all back to the cars. You know, we'd all run around, but he'd get us back in the cars and watch the movie. He used to have a dog named Lucky. And he went through many a dog here because they'd always run out to the highway and get killed by cars. And he figured this one would do the same. But after it survived for a few days, he just started calling it Lucky and it lived to be an old dog. This drive-in theater is radioactive. Now you can hear tonight's show on your AM car radio. Turn your ignition key to the accessory position. This will not drain your car battery. Now turn on your radio and zero in on the following AM station. You know, back then we had the speakers. Now all we have is poles. You know, the speakers started disappearing. People would cut the cords and drive away with them. Now he's got them on FM radio so you can hear it in your vehicle. And I guess he even provides a transistor radio if your radio doesn't work. Some people, when they try to start their vehicles at night after the movie, they don't start. He has a booster pack. He'll go jump start their vehicle for them. So he takes care of the people. He fogs the yard for mosquitoes. That's kind of a nice deal. He's got a fogger. He drives it around here and keeps the mosquitoes at bay. It's pretty nice. But they, they have some pretty good food out here. It is a reasonable price. Have you, have you tried the bomb? Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, they, they really promote that. Chili cheese dog, yeah. It's a little messy, but it's, it's good. It'll fill you up. <laughs> yeah, we just came up with our, our signature sandwich two years ago called the bomb, which is our cheese hot dog, our, our signature barbecue that my dad makes. And, you know, I always put it on a, on a PA. You have one, you're going to have two. I mean, it's that good. You know, it's only about 15,000 calories, but boy, is it good. <laughs> I so, mean, so I want to get this straight. So it's a, it's a hot dog with cheese. Cheese whiz on it and our homemade signature barbecue that we can't give the recipe out because if we did, we have to kill you. And we don't want to do that. So, <laughs> But, I mean, it is really good. I mean, he should patent that barbecue. It is just fabulous. 
Right, right. I got a, I got the recipe from my buddy, you know. And he won't but even tell me the recipe. I'm his own son. He won't even tell me the recipe. That's what ticks me off. It's intermission. Rise and stretch time. Time to refresh yourself and visit our snack bar. Is there pork in it or hamburger or what? Hamburger. I'll, don't give out too much information. There's one little unique thing. I put I put the, uh, the cream mushroom soup in it to take the tinge out, you know, with some other stuff, you know. But that cream of mushroom, that kind of gives it a little smoother taste, you know. Some people put too much sugar in their barbecue, you know. And this is kind of a good, just a good meat tasting. Mild, just a mild barbecue, you know. <laughs> I'm going to have to have some today. Uh, you, you better try one. <laughs> Guaranteed you'll have two. <laughs> so I have the choice between the barbecue or the, the bomb. The bomb. That, that, has the, that has the hot dog, the cheese, yeah, and the barbecue on And it. guaranteed, a chance there you'll have the bomb. And you'll probably have a barbecue, too, just to check it out. But then you'll go back and have another bomb. That's called the bomb. Have you you had the bomb before? No, I haven't had it before. Looking forward to it, though. (laughs) It's all the fresh popcorn. We just bought a popcorn machine last year that was from the original theater that we purchased for $460 that uh, we, we went to an auction sale and lo and behold, that was the last item that they had auctioned off that I didn't know was gonna be there. And I had to have it because that was part of my heritage when I was younger. You know, in the old theater when I was seven, eight years old, I used to pop popcorn in it. And like I say, lo and behold, it was just the pretty gates open, I seen the sun rays and I had to have it. We kind of had a battle between my old man which is Leonard, and me, he says, what the heck did you want that popcorn machine for? Are you that dumb to buy it? It was a big uh, pile of junk, I thought. (laughs) 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 I I thought it would be in the way out there. And I kept telling him we had to have it, we had to have it. And all of a sudden, three weeks ago on a Sunday, he calls me up, he says, how about if we move that popcorn machine to the drive-in? And I almost had to have malt the malt because I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And we put that machine in the back of the consensus stand, and I got her hooked up, and everything works on it. I mean, the pan, the oil, the popcorn, everything works on it. So, I mean, it was just like, it was meant to be there. It was unreal. Oh, well, your son sometimes, he knows a thing or two. Well, I don't like him to admit it, though. <laughs> you got that right. Oh. Drive-ins took a while to catch on. Shortly after opening in 1933, the Great Depression hit. And then, World War II. Opposition from so-called hardtop theaters didn't help either. Those theater owners called drive-ins eyesores and decried them as Necker's hangouts. Their popularity soared anyway. By 1950, there were 1,700 nationwide. Bob Cogill is a professor at Augsburg College in Minneapolis. He teaches film. And he's worked at a lot of movie theaters, including drive-ins. It's hard. It's hard not to see um, them sort of as a as a '50s phenomenon because 
you had this perfect marriage of America's worshiping of the movies, which uh, was starting to wane a little bit because of the advent of television. And then you would now drive to the movies in these in these huge cars, which were like living rooms. And uh, you, when you're young, of course, you're going in those cars with your family. So you're having this very intimate experience, even though you're, all the cars are parked there, uh, like they're praying up at the screen. <laughs> you know, they're on these little these little bumps. And if you if you look at all the cars looking at the screen, it's like they're praying <laughs> up there to the to that drive-in image. Um, and so you have this this wonderful intimacy, and yet you're seeing it with all these these other cars that are there. And th- I worked I- at a drive-in when I was in my early 20s for one summer, and this is certainly true. It's like the movie is being spoken by the night because you will hear the ambient sound of all the speakers that have not been put into cars. When you want to try to do sex position for your research, and so you hear kind of echoing in the night air the soundtrack of the film. And it's sort of, it's sort of bizarre as you see all these, these cars parked in, in this worshipful uh, posture to the screen and you hear the night itself speaking the movie. Uh, there, there, there's a kind of lyrical power that certainly for a young person uh, hits you. My name is Garnett Kuzna. I grew up in um, a small rural uh, community up in northwestern Minnesota on a farm um, outside of a small town named Carlstad. Growing up as a kid, um, there wasn't a lot of places for kids to go because it was very um, mostly farm communities, very small towns, and um, the only movies that I ever went to were at the Skyview. The Skyview drive-in there was some place that kids from towns all around there gathered. And we were just sitting in the grass, you know, talking, eating popcorn, and you were watching the movie, but you really weren't. And, you know, you were under the stars, and it was um, actually a beautiful place because you often, um, in Warren, could still see the northern lights there, and, um, you know, you were under the stars, and it was, it was lovely. All right, Popeye's here. Get your hands on your heads. Get off the bar and get on the wall. What's my name? Popeye Doyle. If he doesn't like you, he'll take you apart. And it's all perfectly legal because Doyle fights dirty. Uh, if, if you're into the places where you watch movies, drive-ins are wonderful because you, you remember the experience of being at that place. There was once, though, I went to a drive-in theater. It was in Moorhead. I think it was The Moonlight. And I was seeing The French Connection, which had been out before. This was like a second release of it. Who is that clown? Jewish lucky man. What about the last of big-time spenders? There was a huge rainstorm that hit. And there was a lightning bolt that came between my car and its scream. I, I remember exactly when it happened. It was when the the guy is testing the the the, the heroin. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that scene. He's he's, uh, it, it, he, he's just the jerk who's who's testing the heroin to to make sure that the French stuff is good before it hits the New York streets. French Connection. You know, the, I, I'm giving you the lyrical vision of the drive-in with, uh, with, with the wonderful sounds and the images of the lightning and the, and, and the dramatic grandeur of the backdrop. But the unromantic, uh, unlyrical vision of the drive-in is basically it's just a parking lot that becomes a trash bin. <laughs> if you ever you've picked up the, uh, the, the parking lot that, that is a drive-in movie theater lot, 
after a film and you see what's been thrown out of a car, you get an interesting array of materials, including, you know, bras and uh, panties and uh, condoms and all that stuff. So you know what's going on in, in, in those cars. There's all sorts of uh, sort of scuzzy lore attached to the drive-ins, which I learned over the years. Some of the people who used to work with me at the Oak Street, Barry Hands, I don't know if you remember him, he was a... He, he was a uh, projectionist at, at a drive-in, and he would tell me how it was, it was standard operating procedure that when a projectionist wanted to go home early on the second or third feature, they'd just drop reels out of films, and no one ever complained, <laughs> or, or that they'd intentionally mix up the reels. <laughs> so, you know, reel four would be played when reel two was supposed to be played, and no one cared. So what will be lost when the last drive-in closes? Boy, I think, what, I think part, part of what will be lost is... is this combined American love affair with, with our mobility and and the movies. You know, the the movies and mobility. You drive your car there. You're in your car. You 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 have this freedom to come and go. Uh, you're private in your car, but you're still seeing this huge screen, and you're seeing it in some grand area. Um, we 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 now have mobility and images on our cell phones and on our portable screens, which everybody has. But what's lost is that sense of grandeur. Watching movies has changed a lot lately, what with Netflix, YouTube, and video on demand. The Main Street cinema has gone dark, and even Blockbuster is busted. But there are even more pressures on drive-ins. Once carved out of farmland, many are now in highly desirable suburbs. The Cottage View in Cottage Grove, Minnesota, may be the state's next drive-in casualty. If it survives, it will no longer view cottages, but suburban sprawl. One of the reasons they, they don't really exist much in, in metropolitan areas anymore is that development just destroys them. And so most of the drive-ins that are, are alive now, I would wager, are in rural areas and often probably financially troubled rural areas. Hi, what do you guys see? Um, what's at the big screen? The big screen is X-Men and Fast Five. Should we do that? Sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. All right. What man? X-Man? X-Men. Oh, X-Men. Yeah. Oh, that'll be good. And how many screens are there? There's five? There's five screens and two movies per screen. Okay, cool. Another one of the last drive-ins is the Starlight 5 in Litchfield. It's located about an hour west of the Twin Cities. I went to check it out with my 20-something son. He's the one how into X-Men. I've been tracking, what, for like four or five days? Before the film, cool. we tossed the baseball movie. and talked. It's good to know exactly like what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. <laughs> we were surrounded by five movie screens, the large, yeah, no, original outdoor screen and four smaller makeshift screens. The starlight had been dark for several years before being purchased by the current owner. As a single screen outdoor cinema, the starlight wasn't cutting it financially. So the new owner erected mini screens, which appear to be made out of plywood and then whitewashed. Before the show, I caught up with the manager, a man who's been in the movie business about as long as I've been alive. He propped himself up with a cane and told me a story. Uh, Ron Kaharski, working in movie theaters now for 57 years. Good place to retire, working as a little old man in a passion pit. <laughs> now, the first drive-in theater I worked was at Seven High Drive-In on Highway 7 and 101 in Excelsior there. And that was back in 1961, when you had one screen, big crowds every night, 
ran it like a regular theater. You just ran one movie, cartoons, previews and stuff. And then you ran the same show over again at the second time. It was before double features, triple features, Dust to Dawn and all the other stuff. I know when I first worked drive-ins, the Seven High, the company that owned that, you had to wear a white shirt and a tie and they wanted you in a suit. And I said, have you ever walked around in crushed rock with a suit? You have no pants cuffs by the end of the week. They're, they're gone. I mean, the rocks just eat them up. It's stupid. People are running around in pajamas. You look out of place in a suit. Well, we finally got them down to a white shirt and a tie, but you didn't have to wear a coat. Drive-ins used to be a teenage hangout. I mean, the years ago when they first opened everything, they were called passion pits because, I mean, they, it was the place to take your girlfriend to go make out. That's my big thing. I like to tease them when I'm in the box office. I don't ask them what movie they want to see. I look and say, what movie are you going to make out in tonight? <laughs> Either that or you get some senior citizen my age saying, you know, I took my wife here on our first date. And I just look at them and say, don't do tonight what you did that night. <laughs> Behave. <laughs> uh, our business mostly now is quite a bit family business. And uh, it's a good family um, entertainment because kids under five don't have to pay. Uh, we try to run a family film first and then he picks an adult comedy, not a R-rated, but usually PG, PG-13, so that when the little kids fall asleep after the first show, the parents get something for their money and enjoy a show they would like. There were lots of families at the Starlight that night. Kara drove to the Starlight from St. Cloud in her minivan. Those are her kids running around before the start of the picture. No, Mom was talking to me, so that doesn't count. They're wearing pajamas, and so is she. The minivan is parked backwards. The hatchback is open towards the screen. That way, the kids can clamor in and out. We came with nice summer clothes, but we brought also sweatshirts and blankets and lots of bug spray and lawn chairs and anything to be comfy while we watch. Do you think the kids are going to stay awake until the end of the movie? Yes, they will stay awake to the end of the movie because they're very excited to see it, but they will crash on the way home because we will drive to St. Cloud. And I see you've, you've backed up your, your minivan so you can access that and maybe tell me how you set that up. Um, well, we always back in so that the kids can lay in the back if they want to and get comfortable. And then if they do fall asleep, it's not hard to move them. And we just back up because there's a lot more room for everybody to see. Are the mosquitoes always this bad? I think so. <laughs> We always bring lots of bug spray, so and then we spray the ground with bug spray too, so then it's more tolerable. But if it gets bad, we all move in the inside and we try to close it and watch from the back window. <laughs> Maybe because it's rained so much so far. Hey, she's got the off. All right. Thank you. Drive-ins are cheap entertainment. That doesn't stop some people from trying to sneak in. When I talked with Leonard and Steve Novak in Warren, Minnesota, they told me about a major bust that went down one night at the Skyview Drive-In. We pulled a little sting over there once in a while. A couple, three years ago, we heard that there was a few people sneaking in. So one night, uh, we had a pretty darn good movie, and there was cars lined up all the way to the highway to get into the ticket booth. And uh, my son see, uh, and my daughter were here, and one started at the other end, and one started here. 
And we started opening trunks. And well, we had 12, wait, wait a minute. He's telling, he's telling a story wrong. I got to step into this one. Okay, I got, I got wind of it. So we sat with four different vehicles out there, and we're going to wait for the first trunk to open up to see if anybody comes out of it. And I was sitting in the back row, and there was a vehicle in front of me, and at about 9.15, right before the movies were going to start. And oh, lo and behold, the trunk opened up, and here came out two teenagers. So I busted them right there, so they had to pay double to get in. Plus, the driver gets caught to pay double. Well, then I says, okay, now we're going to have a sting operation. So we checked every trunk from the, the gate all the way to the highway. And there was 14 cars in line. And out of the 14, 13 of them had people sneaking in in the trunks. And by that time, people were on their cell phones telling everybody, don't stay in the trunk. Get out because they're checking the trunks. And we made a haul that night. We netted about an extra $160. But after that night, it was a Sunday night. We've never had a problem since. But just to see their, <laughs> their facial expression when we open up the trunk and you see teenagers hiding in the trunks to get in for free, that was unbelievable. <laughs> the last one got madder than heck. He says, I'm not coming back here again if I got to pay double. So not a problem. And he so was he said, the one gonna... in the trunk. <laughs> yeah. So he said, okay, tell you what, we're going to call the cops. You're trespassing and you're trying to sneak in. By God, they come over with the money and they paid right now. This is the common cheerleader, an American phenomenon. There was one time when the, move, when the driver was really struggling. We were really having a tough time getting support from the local community and stuff, you know. So we decided to put on X-rated movie at midnight. Cheerleaders. Her thighs incredibly creamy. Her lips are moist and often occupied. Did we pack the place? That was kind of the turning point too of the driving. You know, I mean that we knew that there was actually people out there. You, know, you hate to do that, but we had to do something to create business. Yeah. You know, and you hate to go that direction, but that was back in the, I believe it was the late 70s, wasn't it? We caught slack over it. But. And so, what was the plot of cheerleaders? This is a comedy about girls with short skirts like a Hooters. That's what, that's what it was, and it wasn't that dirty of a show either. Is it my turn? I know back, like you're talking back in, from 85 to 95, there were some nights we didn't even have a movie. I mean, you know, there was one year that we didn't even take in, what, $3,000 for the whole year. And now some weekends we can take that in in one weekend depending upon the movie and stuff, you know, but that's how much things have changed, you know, and you can tell that people want this driving to stay here, you know, and they want this here. So the sky views and no danger of closing down? No. Oh, everybody asked that question, same thing as you did. Well, I'm glad, are you going to be open next year? Well, why wouldn't I if this business is, is good, you know, as it is? Yeah, it's been very fabulous years. The last, last four or five years, every year we've went up 15 to 20%. Every year it's been climbing, climbing, climbing. Hopefully never shut it down because... It's one within 300 miles. There's nothing wrong. 300 miles. I think Litchfield's probably the closest one. Yeah, we're the only one between Winnipeg and Minneapolis. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. I may even talk my dad into having a triple feature. I'm this close, I don't but I, th think I think so. I can do it. I'm getting too old to stay up that late. But he doesn't realize that I'm the new generation and I can handle it. This program is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. 
I'm Todd Melby.